0: what is this
1: puberty thing like? And he had all this hair. It was like, oh, my God. And he said, why would you say, oh, my God? And I said, because, oh, my God, that wasn't there last week. And
0: then at ten and a half, she got her first period, which was quite a surprise to me because I was a very late developer and I thought she would be too. Welcome to Planet Puberty, where we launch into the mood-swing Milky Way, float by the Bo black hole and gaze with wonder at the menstruation constellation. Puberty can be a tough time for all young people, but for kids with intellectual disability and autism, it can be even harder for both them and their parents and carers. Each episode, we try to make puberty less of a bumpy ride by chatting to parents and carers about their experience of supporting a child with disability through puberty. We also talk with professionals about tips and tricks you can use to help you and your child navigate this new world. My name is Katie and I will be your guide as each episode we delve into a new and exciting puberty topic. This episode is a little different as unfortunately even Planet Puberty has been impacted by COVID. As a result we have two smaller episodes on periods coming to you over the next two weeks. Periods can be a big change for a young person with disability. It involves learning more about how your body works, new hygiene skills, and dealing with new sensations and feelings. For some young people with disability, periods can be easily managed and just become part of the routine. While for others, it can be a bit trickier. It's important for young people to be given the opportunity and supported to learn about periods and their body. For some young people, periods can bring challenges like irregular bleeding, pain, and changes to mood, which can make it hard to manage your period. We talked to Dr. Melissa Kang about some of these challenges and asked her to answer some of the most popular questions from parents and carers about supporting their child to manage their period. Hi, Melissa. Thank you
1: for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me.
0: Would you mind starting us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do?
1: Sure, thanks. I am a medical doctor. I trained in general practice, but essentially as soon as I had finished my training, I moved into work with adolescents and young people. I worked for nearly 10 years in the Department of Adolescent Medicine at the Children's Hospital at Westmead in Sydney, and I was there seeing working in the outpatients clinic with uh, uh, young people and their families for a whole lot of different reasons. Uh, After that, I moved into more academic work. I, I still maintain clinical work and have continued to do so now for 25 years working in a youth health service, which is part of the public system, community health. And I still do research and lecturing and teaching mainly around topics of adolescent health. I guess the other thing that some people know about me but not everybody was that uh, from the early 1990s I started writing for the Dolly magazine's Dolly Doctor column and I answered the Q&A that came into Dolly Doctor for 23 years up until the magazine closed in 2016.
0: Oh Well we're very excited to have you on today and to pick your brains. Uh, I have some questions about periods that parents and carers have sent in uh, from across the nation. Are you okay if we jump straight into those?
1: Sure, please do.
0: Fabulous. All right. Our first question is from Barbara in New South Wales. Um, Barbara says, I care for my granddaughter who is 11 years old and has autism. She started getting her period earlier this year. It has been a bit all over the place and she has had some pain. It's been a while since I've had a period and I'm not sure if this is normal or not. Is there anything I should be concerned about?
1: Well, thank you for your question, Barbara. And gosh, yes, it's it's hard enough if you're still having periods. If you feel like you're a little bit out of touch, then uh, even even more reason to be asking. I think the first thing to say to you, Barbara, is that children with autism generally go through puberty at the same time as those who don't have autism. Sometimes it can be a little bit later. So at age 11, your granddaughter is definitely within the expected age range for getting her first period. It can be anywhere from about 10, right up to about 15 or even 16. But all all adolescents who menstruate um, are likely to experience a cycle that, as you've described, is all over the place for even up to a couple of years it's really to do with the maturation of the whole menstrual cycle. It can take up to a couple of years to get into what I call a regular sort of pattern. So, you know, your granddaughter might have had a first period and then nothing for a few months, or sometimes in in some adolescents, the pattern can establish into a fairly regular one straight away. So I think with your granddaughter, what what you've noticed with her is, is completely typical, nothing to worry about in terms of the The regularity or the pattern. However, period pain is also really common, but can and should be managed, I think. And it's no different to uh, girls with autism or other disabilities as any other um, adolescent who menstruates. So, as you probably know, visual aids can be helpful for some young people with autism in terms of helping them communicate what their needs are or what they're experiencing, diagrams showing the steps to changing period underwear or other products. Um, And also knowing that period pain can really be effectively managed, often with just over-the-counter medication, which you can talk to a pharmacist about. But if you wanted to, you could also take her along to her GP and have a chat to them about that. It's good to talk with your granddaughter about the period pain and show her where it occurs. And if you have any concerns about whether this is period pain or something else, you know, try and get her to express where the pain's coming from and what it's like and, and, you know, get her assessed by a doctor if you if you do have any concerns. Period pain also for most people tends to be worse on about day one or maybe day two and up to day three or four of the menstrual cycle and then usually that pain settles down. So what's recommended is if you if you're likely to get period pain or if you notice that you have had period pain for a couple of cycles, try to anticipate when it's going to sort of hit and the recommendation is to start taking period pain medication right at the very, very first sign. And for some young people that I see who really do get you know pretty severe or moderately severe or at least really regular period pain and it might only be on one or two days and they feel that it can be managed with over the counter pain medication it it's about them knowing their own bodies and being able to work out exactly you know pinpoint when that's going to start sometimes they might even take the medication just a few hours before or the day before their first period. And sometimes people can work that out if their pattern is regular enough. So I think that's just something to talk to your granddaughter about, watch uh, with her. It can be really helpful to use apps on phones or just hand, hand-drawn hand diaries, diagrams about when the period starts and when, what symptoms are being experienced. And in fact, taking that information to a GP, if that's what you end up doing, is really helpful for the GP as well.
0: The um, writing down and, and tracking of periods and, and symptoms um, that happen around certain times can also be really helpful if your child uh, perhaps uses nonverbal communication as well um, uh, or needs like a lot more support um, so that you can sort of prepare yourself and them for what's coming and you can
1: make a plan for, for ahead of time. That's exactly right. It's about giving them all the information that she deserves and and everybody deserves to know about what's happening to their body, but communicating that in the ways that, you know, she will best understand and having her communicate back to you what she's experiencing. That's exactly right.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, our next question is from Cindy in the Northern Territory. Uh, Cindy says, my daughter is 14 years old and has a moderate intellectual disability. She's had her period for two years and is struggling to manage it independently. I'm considering talking to her doctor about using contraception to help her with her periods, but I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. Is she too young to start using contraception? Is there anything in particular that I need to think about before making this decision?
1: Well, thanks, Cindy, for that question. And, and, you know, someone with a moderate intellectual disability, of course, you know, may, may find it more difficult to manage all sorts of things, but certainly a regular menstrual cycle, particularly if there's heavy days, days where period pain is quite bad. Just trying to manage that independently can be really difficult but it can be the same for someone without an intellectual disability and in really the management of this can be the same so an adolescent with a moderate intellectual disability who starts to experience some of these issues that you're talking about absolutely deserves the best advice and care available from health professionals and in fact that advice needs to be tailored to the individual person there's no blanket rule that you do one thing for one group of adolescents and a different thing for adolescents who have a particular disability or um, it's got to be tailored to the individual. So I absolutely encourage you to talk to her doctor and take her with you and see, you know, get the doctor to, to try and communicate with her as well about what she's experiencing. And the other thing that's tricky is that, of course, in that first couple of years, often unpredictable cycles Can be even harder for an adolescent with intellectual disability to manage, and of course, even once you get past that first couple of years, there's always going to be some people whose menstrual cycles are not completely regular, who are a little, which are a little bit unpredictable, and that's particularly difficult, I think, if you have an intellectual disability, um, or a physical disability. Just you know, it's just practically more difficult to to manage something that's unpredictable. Contraception or which is basically um, synthetic hormones that mimic some of the menstrual hormones, are a really effective and safe treatment for period pain, irregular periods, and sometimes also premenstrual symptoms. And that's anybody. That's for anybody, uh, whether they have a disability or they don't, um, whether they're sexually active or they're not. It's absolutely indicated for managing A range of menstrual problems and difficulties that people have so the fact that your daughter has already started having her periods means that it's quite safe to take contraception in other words there's not going to be any um impact on their growth that's one of the concerns that that people have is that starting contraception might sort of stop you growing but the fact is that um, People get periods late in puberty, so they've finished most of their growth. So, of course, your daughter, like everybody who experiences problems managing their periods and is considering something like hormonal contraception, we're talking about here. So hormones, it's really the hormone part of it, not the contraception part of it that's important. Um, You know, they, they need to have an individual assessment. So if there are other medical conditions, if she's on any other medication, if there's any reason that a hormonal contraceptive could interact with other medications, um, they're generally very safe in adolescence. The hormonal contraceptives, but obviously it needs to be individually assessed by a doctor. So I really would, um, you know, recommend you go and have that talk. And if if you want to try some hormonal contraception and see how that goes, then that's you know that's a very reasonable thing to do if if your daughter's doctor thinks that that's the case.
0: As you said, Melissa, hormonal contraception can be a really effective way for a lot of young people who have periods and may be um, struggling to manage them or have irregular periods or a lot of pain can be quite helpful. I think you touched on it earlier as well. You said um, to bring your daughter along to the consultation giving your child as much education around why they're taking contraception as well. Um, Would that be something that you think the GP could help with, like over multiple
1: consultations or something like that? Yes, I think sometimes for people with disability, people who, you know, there can be a whole range of reasons why it might take two or three or more consultations and conversations with any particular individual, to make sure that they understand as much as they possibly can and that they are participating in those medical decisions as much as they can. And, of course, it's going to vary from person to person. But I think that any adolescent, regardless of ability, deserves the, the time and attention from a dedicated health professional when we're talking about treatment whether it's medication or something else, um, that's going to hopefully improve some of the difficulties that they're experiencing. So I think that that is really important. It's And I think it's really good for doctors as well to, you know, to have the experience of not just always working with the parents, but in fact, developing a relationship with the individual adolescent. And certainly my practice is that they are the patient, they're the one who you focus your attention on. And of course, Um, some of them are going to need a parent or carer to help with some of that communication and bring some of the history to the consultation. But the focus should also very much be on the adolescent.
0: Great. Well, we have another question for you, Melissa, um, from Val in South Australia. Val says, my daughter gets really moody and frustrated just before she gets her period. Everything becomes more difficult and it can be a struggle to help her with things at times is there a way that we can help her to better
1: manage her PMS? Thanks for your question, Val. Look, premenstrual syndrome, which is PMS, is a is a common experience for people who menstruate. So the, the estimates are up to about four in 10 people and about five or more percent of people get quite severe and almost disabling PMS. So it can be a, a whole range of different symptoms from breast tenderness and swelling to real irritability, even feeling quite depressed, can be feelings of you know bloating and just discomfort in your body. There's a whole range, a whole spectrum and people who have PMS don't necessarily experience all of those symptoms. Although if you're someone who has PMS and you know that this is what comes every month and it stops once you're period starts. That's sort of one of the key diagnostic criteria is that it's something you get these symptoms and they stop once your period starts. Um, I think this is a good example of where having a a period calendar or diary or chart of some sort is really, really helpful for the diagnosis Mm -hmm. because if some of these symptoms carry on into the period, then that changes the, you know, the assessment that the doctor needs to do. So if possible, try uh, with your daughter, keep a little bit of a a diary over about two or even three cycles. That's really, really helpful. In the meantime, of course, you can still go and talk to your doctor about some some ways to manage the symptoms as, as they appear. But the treatment for PMS, there's a range of different Things. So one of them is in fact hormonal contraception, which um, it, it again tailored to the individual person, but, but some types of hormonal contraception have been found to really relieve some of those symptoms of PMS. Vitamin B6 is another one. Um, and for some people, particularly those who get more severe symptoms, particularly that irritability and mood, they've even found that some antidepressants can help as well. But I think because the treatment of PMS is quite varied and it needs to be tailored to the individual it's it's quite important to kind of yeah itemize the kinds of symptoms that you're noticing so you know is it more to do with mood irritability and is that manifesting in terms of behavior change temper tantrums just you know being angry that sort of thing or is it is it more physical symptoms like breast tenderness and or maybe some sort of general Bloating and discomfort, pelvic discomfort. Um, so, trying to sort of track what those are can help tailor the appropriate treatment as well.
0: Absolutely, it's such an individual thing for everybody that it can be difficult just to sort of give a "here's the cure" type answer. So, being able to take the time to track and um, and take note of all those individual symptoms and what's happening can be really valuable.
1: Yes, it's true for all the, the concerns that people have about periods. But I think with something like PMS, because it's such a spectrum of symptoms and they kind of, it is related to the menstrual hormones and that's why they stop, the symptoms should stop when the period starts to do with the sort of, yeah, the cascade of hormones during the menstrual cycle and individual people's, I guess, sensitivity to those, but um I think they are quite varied in PMS. So, so that's why it's really critical to, if you can, just track it over two or, or three cycles if possible.
0: Okay. Well, we have one last question for you today, Melissa, uh, from Dana in Western Australia. Uh, Dana says, my daughter is 16 years old and has autism. She gets painful cramps when she has her period and sometimes struggles to communicate this to me. At this stage, we are managing her cramps with heat packs and painkillers, although sometimes this doesn't seem to help. How do I know if my child is experiencing normal period cramps or if this is something worse? Are there some signs that I can look for?
1: Oh gosh, that's that's really hard, isn't it, Dana? Um, thanks for your question. It's It's very distressing anyway um, to to see a child in pain but to not quite know because their communication is such that it's actually really difficult. Um, I'll start by saying that period pain is very, very common. Some studies say up to 85% of people who menstruate, young people I'm talking about so adolescents and young adults, will have period pain. So it's an extremely common symptom um it's an extremely common experience for anybody who menstruates and we know that there's quite a lot of school absenteeism because of period pain so you know some people get such severe pain that they're kind of bedridden or they might have associated symptoms like like vomiting and um dizziness and you know feeling very faint so and diarrhea it can be very very crippling in fact there are really good treatments for period pain and and very effective and safe treatments especially in young people. I think we have to be careful. We know that period pain is common. Therefore perhaps we should say that it's normal, but it doesn't mean it should be something that you just have to live with. I think often period pain is very undertreated and the message a lot of girls and women get is oh, you know, that's just part of being a woman, you have to put up with it. That really isn't the case. We do have very safe and effective ways to manage period pain. Now, it can be, as I said earlier, it can be over-the-counter analgesics. If they're taken at the critical right time, right at the start of a period, they can actually sort of completely stop you from developing really severe period pain that cycle. So it can be something as simple as that, but it might be something that needs more sort of detailed assessment by by a doctor and trying to assess what else is going on and how regular this is so in terms of how to i guess interpret the signs that your daughter's showing you that there's something going on if it was me seeing you and your daughter it would be you I'd be turning to to say you know how has your daughter communicated physical pain discomfort emotional distress you know her best what are the what what do you make of the kinds of signs she's giving off about this and when are you noticing them? What do you make of the way she's behaving or trying to communicate with you that that makes you, you know, understand that she's in pain? I think what would then need to happen would be, as I've said earlier, trying to keep sort of track of whether this is cyclical pain, whether it's coming at the start of a period that's the best clue, in fact, as to whether this is period pain or something else. So it could be premenstrual pain. That can happen. It's it's a different, usually a different feeling to period pain, um, but it will be difficult for your for your child to be able to communicate those sort of more nuanced differences in in physical discomfort. Um, so if you can keep track of when you think these symptoms are being experienced in terms of where she's at in her menstrual cycle, that can be enormously helpful as well. And it may or may not tailor, you know, the treatment that's um, that's suggested or recommended. It's going to be very safe overall unless there's particular other medical reasons why your daughter can't take over the counter-period pain tablets to try to use them um, and see whether she responds well giving them at the very first sign of a period. Um, but, you know, if, if that only seems to help a little bit or if you're not sure if that's the right thing to do, I I would definitely, um, you know, ask your doctor for advice about what else might be going on and what to look out for and just try to keep track of those things that you're observing in her behaviour. Definitely.
0: Uh, and it can also uh, be worthwhile if your daughter has particular sensory issues as well, maybe looking at things that might be aggravating that too. So if it's um, uh, wearing the pad or maybe it's like the wings don't feel particularly good or uh, are there other options that they could look at in that regard, Melissa?
1: Well, there are now some really good period pants, so underwear with built-in absorbent pads that are reusable washable and reusable so that might be much more comfortable because it's literally like wearing a padded pair of underpants so period pants are made from absorbent material but their fabric they have smooth seams the same way same way as underpants so that might be a really good option to try as well so as you say it could be that it's the actual discomfort of having to wear something different once a month that's aggravating her rather than the fact that it's actually period pain
0: and we will include uh, a link to uh, more information on period undies in our show notes um I should also mention that if you are after a really fun, uh, informative book for your young person on periods, that Dr. Melissa Kang and Yumi Steins have an excellent book called Welcome to My Period that's worth a look at, uh, and we'll also link some other resources as well. Uh, I think that's all my questions for today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Melissa.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us on Planet Puberty as we talked about periods with Melissa. All resources and services mentioned in this episode are included in the show notes. You can find them at planetpuberty.org.au forward slash podcasts. Our music is Levels by Ketzer. For further information on periods, you can go to the Planet Puberty website or you can email disability at fpnsw.org.au.